Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. Like, hello, uh, I've been working all day, and now I'm going to get on Zoom again with the same people, and we're not going to talk about work. That's a heavy lift. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. So you've probably picked up by now that today we're going to be talking about remote work and particularly how to lead more effectively and how to be a better teammate in a remote setting. Now, many of you have probably experienced some stage of Zoom fatigue, and some of you are probably even tired of hearing that term already. Fortunately for a lot of us, and depending on where you are in the United States or in the world, things seem to be getting back to normal Pretty fast. That being said, it's hard to deny that remote work is likely here to stay at least at some level. And the question is, how can we lead more effectively in the coming days, months, and years as we're working with remote teams? We can figure it out by trial and error, or we can hear what our guest today has to share. And he's the perfect person for this. And you'll find out in just a second why that is. But first, it's great when you have time to listen to podcasts, but sometimes you just need to get straight to the facts. And that's why we've put together the Leadership Action List. It's a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership. If you want to be a noticeably different leader in one year, this simple but effective resource is for you. Download this list for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Once again, for an entire year of weekly leadership development, go to leadershipactionlist.com. Our guest today is co-author of The Long Distance Teammate, Stay Engaged and Connected While Working Anywhere. He's the co-founder of the Remote Leadership Institute and has twice been named one of Inc.'s top 100 leadership and management experts in the world. He's also the author or co-author of three Amazon bestsellers, Remarkable Leadership, From Bud to Boss, and The Long Distance Leader. Here is Kevin Eikenberry. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Josh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. So you ready for these? I guess I'm as ready as I'm going to be. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? A, a lesson that continues to influence me, I would say, is that that we all, as humans and leaders, can learn from anyone it's our job to look for those lessons. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is... Other focused, a, a leader is humble, and a leader is confident. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? What can I do to help you? What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? Well, how about The Long Distance Leader? Since we're talking about The Long Distance Teammate today, our last book, The Long Distance Leader, you know, I'll say that a bit tongue in cheek, but we are living in a world where we've got to work and lead remotely. And, and we believe it brings a lot of value to the marketplace, The Long Distance Leader. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Ask more questions and listen better. 
And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Mm, well, why is a challenge because everyone, when we hear that question, we often go into kid mode, right? Uh, and there's baggage associated with it, but it's an incredibly powerful question. Even with the baggage, I would probably pick why. So, Kevin, we are here today to talk about your recent release, The Long Distance Teammate. You're also the co-founder of the Remote Leadership Institute, and you previously wrote a book called The Long Distance Leader. I'm excited to talk remote leadership with you today. And to start off, I'd love to hear a little bit about the book itself, as well as its connection to your previous release, The Long Distance Leader. Well, so, you know, because of our, our work with uh, remote leaders and remote work, Josh, uh, we wrote the long distance leader, right? And I've been leading a remote or hybrid team for a decade. And we've been working with leaders around the world in these areas for a long time. So that was a logical choice. After that came out, we really realized that we needed to spend some time helping team members, or we like to think of them as teammates, uh, be more effective as well, because it isn't just the leader that needs to adjust. It's everyone else that needs to be adjusting and thinking a little bit differently in order for them to be successful in a remote world. So we thought that the long distance teammate was not only needed, but sort of a logical follow up to the long distance leader. So that's why we did it. And then as we were finishing the manuscript, along came COVID. So so you are the co-founder of the Remote Leadership Institute. You said you've been working remotely, you've been leading teams, you've been focused in on these issues for a decade or more. Could you talk a little bit about what it was that inspired you to start the Remote Leadership Institute and what you're looking to do with your work as a whole? Well, so uh, I've been in the leadership development business, helping leaders around the world be more effective, get better results for almost three decades. And, uh, and as I said, I've been leading a remote team myself for at least a decade. And um, my co-author for these two books we're talking about, Wayne Trammell, uh, owned a company called Great Web Meetings. And he was really one of the pioneers and uh, is one of the true world experts in how do we communicate remotely using some of those tools. And so we decided to join forces, bring the leadership component to that uh, five or six years ago. And that sort of was the genesis of the Remote Leadership Institute, where we brought uh, his expertise along with our leadership expertise and hooked them together. And then uh, some point after that, I bought his company. So it sounds like you are a great person to give us this perspective, but I'm wondering, when did remote start? I actually went to a school that's been doing online education since 2008, and they weren't doing it really well, but they were, at least compared to other schools, ahead of their time. That being said, all of a sudden, last year, people began hearing about Zoom, it seems like, for the very first time. But I'm wondering, when did remote become a thing? I'm not sure when it became a, well, we know when it for sure became a thing was last March. Uh, But, you know, remote work has been around forever. You can go all the way back to Genghis Khan and, you know, he didn't have Zoom or WebEx and he was obviously able to be successful uh, with his endeavors. And, And far more recently than that, as we've gone through the industrial revolution and and industrial world of work, we've, we've had people working on remote teams for a long time, specifically sales teams and managers of far-flung enterprises. So it's existed before, but it's not existed to the degree that it does now. And the other thing that's different, say from a sales organization solely to the work of far more people today, is that knowledge work 
on a team is different than a salesperson who is largely independent from others. So while remote work has been around for a long time, Josh, uh, last year put us on a major accelerant to the trend of people being able to work places other than in front of or, or down the hall from everyone else. And just recently on this podcast, as you might imagine, we've talked about how things have just accelerated so fast. Things that people were talking about for five to 10 years down the road are all of a sudden a reality for us in business. But I want to highlight something interesting you just said, and that is the difference between remote work when it comes to sales versus knowledge work. Could you talk a little bit about how knowledge work is different and what that means for leaders? Well, I think one of the it gets at one of the big ideas of the book, Josh, and that is that the big idea of the book is there's a big difference between working from home and being an effective remote teammate. And I think that's the key to answering your question is that when people start to realize or do realize that they are still a part of a team, even though they don't see that team every day, then they have a chance to make different decisions, better decisions to be more effective. Uh, and so the more, the longer we work alone, the longer we work without the visual cues and the interactions with others, the more likely our work is to become insular. And we see our work as our job, when really our job is our work plus the team's work. And when we make that shift, we've got a better chance of succeeding. So based off of what you just said, this is probably a good time to bring up something that you had mentioned earlier, which is the difference between a team member and a teammate. Could you talk about that and also how that relates, especially to remote work? Well, we thought long and hard as we came, as we decided on the word teammate because we believe that that implies something different. Like you can be made the member a member of the team, right? Back in school, when uh, two people were named the captains on the basketball court and they were picking team members, you didn't necessarily feel like a teammate just because you were on the team. You could be on a lot of teams, but when you're a teammate. There's a different level of commitment and caring and engagement about how other people are doing, how you can impact them, how you are a part of something bigger than yourself. And so we believe that thinking about yourself as a teammate rather than just a member of the team makes a huge difference in our, in our success and, and really changes how we feel about work, less isolated, more connected less individual and more team. And the million dollar question I'm guessing is how do I do that with my team when we're not together? So I'm curious, what have you found in regards to this pre-pandemic and what, if anything, can be found in addition to what you already knew in this last year? Well, I'm not sure that, that I'm not saying we didn't learn anything new in the last year. We certainly have. But in terms of folks who are watching, as people who are watching this from afar, I think what we've, we've just basically confirmed everything that we already knew. To be a teammate means we need to feel connected, right? So there's the obvious pieces of making sure that we're maintaining our relationships and working hard to maintain or build trust. Those things are certainly true. But I think beyond that, Josh, one of the things that is critical is that we have clear expectations with each other about what we are delivering and how we're going to deliver it. Um, expectations we usually think of as something that our boss gives to us or that as a leader we give to our team members. But uh, we believe that that needs to be much more of a conversation. And at the end of the day, 
expectations don't matter unless they're mutually understood. And this applies then not just in the leader teammate or team member role, but also across the team. And so along with some of the obvious things that we're all thinking about and all talking about, I would say that thinking about clear expectations, setting those clear expectations, giving each other feedback, getting better at receiving feedback uh, in, when we're not face-to-face uh, and being more intentional about those things is one of the big differences. So when you're working remotely, you're obviously not working with people on a consistent basis like you would in an office. It can be an out-of-sight, out-of-mind scenario. So how would you as a leader begin encouraging people to remain engaged in their work and not just become their own little island? Three things. First of all, we as leaders must model what I'm about to say with others. So we must work to maintain those uh, connections with others. If we're not doing it, others won't see it as valuable either. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that when we're in a remote working world, more of our communications become transactions, right? Um, I pick up the phone and call you and I say, Josh, hey, I know you're super busy. I just had this quick question. What do you think? Thanks. Bye. Business was transacted, but there was no connection. So uh, we as leaders must model this. But then the second piece of that is we must recognize the need for interaction and not just transaction. There's a time and a place for that quick call or that quick uh, chat exchange, uh, instant message exchange. There's a place for that. But too often as we're working apart, that's all we have. And we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we're creating chances for interaction and not just transaction. And the third thing is, because we're not bumping into each other in the hallway, because we don't see each other in the parking lot, because we don't go to lunch together because we happen to both be there, the number of interactions we have is fewer. The number of, uh, of conversations are less. So each one takes on greater importance, which means that we've got to make sure that we're, we're, we're taking the time to create the connections and the relatedness and not just transacting the business. So when it comes to interactions and connectedness, are there ways that seem to be effective and enjoyable for people? The reason I ask is because people have been obviously trying a lot of things over this last year. And there was one call that I was on not too long ago where someone was trying to build camaraderie on the team. And they recommended getting together in the evening over Zoom to kind of just shoot the breeze, get to know people better, have a more relaxed environment. And I could tell that no one wanted to nix the idea on the call. At the same time, no one seemed really excited about the possibility of their evening being taken up with another Zoom call. So any recommendations for how to make uh, an effective and enjoyable way for people to meaningfully interact? The first thing, Josh, I would say is no wonder people weren't sure they wanted to give up their evening to do that, right? Like, hello, Uh, I've been working all day and now I'm going to get on Zoom again with the same people and we're not going to talk about work. That's a that's a heavy lift. Now, I understand the purpose. I understand the goal and the goal is admirable. Right. So I'll say several things. One is we need to think about what worked before and then transition that into our new world. So I'll give you an example. In the old days, when we were all in the office, we would people would, would start to walk into a conference room for a meeting, and when they walked in, what did they do? They chatted, right? They, they, didn't, talk, they, weren't, they didn't immediately dive into the work before the meeting started. They chatted. And so we need to 
have meetings open early, not have the leader be the person that is the only one that can start the meeting because they're likely the one who's going to be barely on time. So allow anyone to open the meeting. And as people arrive, just let them chat. And as a leader, if I arrive a couple minutes early, I typically stay out of it because I want that natural interaction to happen. If I don't, if we don't create those moments, it, it can't, we can't replace them. Now I'm all for the, you know, the, um, Zoom icebreakers and all of those things. And we've used a number of those things and we've had a lot of fun in some of our meetings, but we need to also create the, the space for this to happen that isn't structured. And I think that that's super, super important, right? So that's one of the things. Another thing is as a leader, make sure that you're interacting, not just transacting business, but interacting with the members of your team over time. Right. Um, if you're going to do, if if you're going to have a conversation with someone, make sure that you spend some time talking about the non-work, checking in with how they're doing, and, and those sorts of things. And it needs to be the first thing you do in the meeting, the first thing you do in your one-on-one. Because if you don't do it first, it might get forgotten, or we the meeting might run out of time. And by starting there, you change the energy uh, in the group or in the in that one-on-one conversation for the better. I really like that idea of other people having the ability to start a meeting and to have conversations beforehand rather than that being something that's just on the leader. Do you have any other ideas like that or maybe just best practices to share? Sometimes it's best practices. Sometimes people just try new things and it works really well. But other things that you would recommend to leaders or maybe just an employee who's listening to this podcast right now who wants to go ahead and use their influence to bring about a positive change in their organization to breed collaboration, to breed interaction rather than just transaction. So so here's the thing. Uh, in the old days, you walked down the hall with your Coke or your coffee or whatever, and you stopped in and chatted with someone. You can still do that now, right? You can schedule that time with someone for five minutes or 10 minutes, or you can just go on Instant Messenger in your Teams app or in your Slack channels or whatever and say, hey, I, I need a five-minute break. Who wants to have a quick coffee with me? And someone will likely say yes. They'll probably message you on the side, and then you can have that quick five minutes. In some ways, that's better than the old way because now people have the chance to opt in as opposed to, oh, geez, here comes Kevin, and he wants to chat, right? So it doesn't feel as natural only because you have to be intentional about it. And I think we can get a lot of the same kinds of things. And I want to say one other thing, because you mentioned it earlier about Zoom fatigue and everyone's on Zoom all, all day. And there's a lot we could say about that in general. But I would say this too, Josh, I just wrote an article about the most forgotten tool for remote communication, and it is our phone. We spent a lot of time pre-COVID trying to convince people to use their webcams. And now we don't have to convince people to, they just assume not have to use them as much. And I actually believe the phone is a really good tool that, we have forgotten that the main purpose of the phone was to talk to people as opposed to using it for all this other stuff. So in addition to ideas of what leaders and employees in general can begin doing to 
foster more natural interactions and create deeper relationships with the people they're working with. Are there any recommendations that you would have for leaders to stop doing that are currently in popular practice? (laughs) Stop micromanaging. Stop assuming that you need to know what they're doing every minute. Stop wondering why they've still got their Teams app turned to offline when it's 9.05. Just stop. Start focusing on accomplishment rather than activity. At the end of the day, Josh, what we want is for people to accomplish their work. And our worry should be much more about are they still getting their job done without killing themselves, right? Rather than, oh my gosh, why aren't they online at 9.07 or at, you know, right after lunch or whatever, you know, Work-life balance has been a problem ever since we've had these devices that allowed us to always be on. And it's gotten worse when we're working and living in the same location. And so if leaders will stop worrying about whether people are working and set clearer expectations with them and manage to accomplishments and those expectations rather than activity and are they, quote, busy they'll be far more successful. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing with us such relevant information about remote work and remote leadership, especially since you've been thinking about these ideas long before many of us were ever considering remote work as a possibility. Now, before you go, is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners, whether something you'd like to reiterate from our conversation or something we haven't had a chance to talk about yet today? I'll close with one of the big ideas of the book. And one of the words in the book, we've talked a lot about connection. Another big idea in the title of the subtitle of the book is stay engaged. And I want every, I want leaders to realize that engagement isn't something we do to people. That engagement is a choice that people make. So as with your leader hat on, stop trying to figure out how to engage them and start helping them make the choice to be engaged. Because all engagement is, is people caring and people being willing to put discretionary time and effort into things, right? You can't force someone to do that. You, you can create an environment w- where it will be easier for them to choose it. And that should be our focus. And a- as a member of a team, as a teammate with that hat on, realize that it is our opportunity to choose to be engaged. And when we make that choice, our our life as a remote worker will be easier, more rewarding, more meaningful, and will be more successful too. Well, Kevin, if people have connected with what you've shared today, where would you like for them to go to learn more about you and the work that you do? Well, several places. First of all, if you can remember how to spell my name, you can find us. So you can go to Kevin Eikenberry, E-I-K-E-N-B-E-R-R-Y.com. As you've mentioned, you can go to remoteleadershipinstitute.com. And in this conversation today, we've talked an awful lot about the book. So longdistanceteammate.com. Send a note to me, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to know where you found me and be happy to be connected with you there as well. All right, Kevin, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Once again, if you'd like to learn more about Kevin's work, you can go to longdistanceteammate.com. There are other ways to connect with him on social media in the show notes down below. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. Having clear expectations across the team helps the team to function more effectively when working remotely. 
You know, it should be unsurprising that the principles for good remote leadership are essentially the same as the principles for good leadership. But you have to be a little bit more focused, a little bit more purposeful when you don't see someone face to face. So be sure, especially in remote settings, that you have clear expectations across the team. And if you are not working remotely, still think to yourself, do I have clear expectations for my teammates? One of the exercises that Sean Ryan shared on episode 121 is called the five on five exercise, where a boss and employees write down their top five priorities. And he said that their priorities only match 40% of the time. So think about the expectations and priorities of your team and how well you think those align with what your expectations are. The second key takeaway is much shorter and it's connected to the first and it's simply this, stop micromanaging. In as much as you have the power to do so, hire great people, set those expectations, and let them shine. Make sure along the way that they have what they need, but set them up for success and then let them achieve it. And then the final key takeaway is this. Engagement is not something that we do to people. Create an environment where it's easier to be engaged. Help them make that choice to be engaged. If you have a great insight that's helped you as you've been leading your remote team over the last year or so that you'd like to share with the Life as Leadership community, please let me know. I'd love to share that here on the podcast. You can reach me at community at lifeasleadership.com. I also want to remind you about the Leadership Action List, which is 52 action steps to improve your leadership. That's weekly leadership development for an entire year. You can download that at leadershipactionlist.com. And in addition to the free download, you're also going to get an email in your inbox at the beginning of every single week highlighting one of those action steps. I highly recommend this Leadership Action List for you. You can download it once again at leadershipactionlist.com. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. 
If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.